Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates. America competes. So are you like the go-to in your family for telling people how to avoid phishing emails? Yes. <laughs> Just don't ask me how to fix your computer. A lot of people do that. And I'm like, ah, uh, <laughs> not my expertise. <laughs> but phishing emails, yeah. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. And this is cybersecurity reporter Maggie Miller. The Biden administration is doing everything it can to warn Americans and get companies prepared for cyber attacks, but there are too many vulnerabilities to fully protect ourselves from Russia. Look, today my administration is issuing new warnings that based on evolving intelligence, Russia may be planning a cyber attack against us. And a quick rundown on our agenda for today. So the day after President Biden made his announcement that due to evolving intelligence, the administration believed that uh, the Russian government would look to target U.S. infrastructure. Hey, everybody. Thanks uh, for coming together so quickly. CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, uh, which is part of uh, the Department of Homeland Security, hosted a call with over 13,000 participants. We did want to touch base with everybody regarding the latest in the evolving threat environment. To sort of walk them through what the major threats were to different sectors and how they could prepare. We should consider every sector vulnerable. And what was really interesting about that call is they do host these calls fairly often, but they are almost never public. And not only was this call made public, but the audio was posted on YouTube. And it was an almost three-hour call, which that in itself is also uh, quite rare. Um, Usually these calls are much shorter and the director stayed on the entire time and uh, it was that long because she committed to taking questions until there were no more questions and there were a lot Um, and so it is really telling that the administration is able to and willing to put this type of meeting online for any American Russian anyone in the world to hear and listen to I think it shows you know not only how transparent they are willing to be but how much interest and attention is on this issue of securing the U.S. against Russian attacks. President Biden and his administration have ramped up warnings on cyber attacks. The question, though, how well equipped is the U.S. to stop them? Well, their big fear really is that Russia will repeat some of their tactics that they've used for the last 15 years. They're one of the most advanced uh, nations in the world in terms of cybersecurity capabilities, and they have not hesitated to use them against other nations, including the U.S., Um, In 2016, we saw some cyber interference um, from Russian hackers before the U.S. presidential election in terms of targeting uh, voting infrastructure, though no votes were changed. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, we the solar winds hack in 2020 uh, was linked to the Russian government and allowed them to compromise a dozen federal agencies for about a year prior to discovery. And those were kind of tastes of what Russia could do. But the worst case scenario has not happened, which is that Russia executes um, capabilities that it certainly has, which is to impact our critical infrastructure, by which I mean the electric system, dams, you know, our supply chains for food. And they just simply, you know, do some sort of cyber attack that interferes in these critical systems that we need in our day to day lives. And You know, I think Americans had a taste of that with Colonial Pipeline uh, last year Mm -hmm. being shut off. And, you know, those were cyber criminals, but not necessarily the Russian government. But with Russia, if they want to use the full height of their capabilities, it would be pretty devastating to the U.S. 
And what is the attacker's goal? I mean, Biden's statement last week seemed to equate this uptick, this possible uptick in cyber attacks is because of the economic sanctions that the U.S. has imposed on Russia. Is it that simple? This is like a tit for tat kind of thing? In some ways, yes. Now, the intelligence um, has indicated that that Vladimir Putin might be looking most at our energy and financial sectors. And of course, mm-hmm. that's no mistake, given that um, the U.S. And, and NATO sanctions have very much crippled his own economy. Um, and in terms of you know energy, we're trying to totally cut out Russian oil. So it would make sense that he's trying to, to target sectors related to that. But in terms of you know their goals, I think with Vladimir Putin, yes, he wants tit for tat. But I think he's very much aware that there is there is a potential line that you could cross that could, you know, create the possibility for not only cyber retaliation from the U.S. or NATO, but even potential, you know, physical retaliation. Mm. If Russian hackers were to gain access to, for example, some of our, our nuclear facilities, I mean, that would be um, pretty concerning. And it, they do have the capability, if, if they wanted to use it, to at least attempt to target um, some of these facilities. Now, if they'd be successful is another question, but again, they have extremely sophisticated um, hacking capabilities if they want to use them. And you mentioned energy and finance as two of the sectors that are most vulnerable, vulnerable because they are not well prepared or vulnerable because they are almost certainly likely to be the focus of an attack. Well, in some ways, you know, the financial sector is one that many experts often say is actually the most secure. But and the reason being that banks have really invested a lot um, in their cybersecurity. However, really, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And that goes for any of the sectors. And, you know, if Putin is is really looking at our financial sector, which it does seem like, you know, might be a, a very big target, he only needs one vulnerability in one organization that has links to a lot of organization to cause some sort of damage or some sort of chaos. And then the energy sector in particular, you know, that also includes uh, electric grid, electric systems, you know, Russia has proven very publicly that they can cause damage with that. Um, actually, in Ukraine in 2015 and in 2016, uh, there were two different attacks almost exactly a year apart uh, where they turned off the power for a couple hours in parts of Ukraine. And many people saw that as as messaging not only to Ukraine, but to the U.S. and other Western countries of look what we can do if we want to use our capabilities against you and we don't have to be within your borders to do it. So, um, you know, it really is a world where, at least when it comes to cyber warfare or cyber capabilities, they can be anywhere in the world and and make a massive impact here if they can find just, just one chink in the armor. You've mentioned a couple of examples already, but can you give me kind of a case study of a possible scenario and how much disruption it could actually cause and who would be affected and how? Absolutely. Well, and this is not really one of the sectors I dig into as much um, in the story, but it is one that that bears looking at, which is the water sector. In Oldsmar, Florida, um, over a year ago, there was a very small, only a couple employees run a water treatment facility that um, treated the water for 15,000 people in Oldsmar, Florida. Um, And in front of one of those operators' eyes one day, um, there was a hacker who still has not been identified, unfortunately, who got into the system and in front of this operator's eyes was turning up the lye in the water, which was one of the chemicals used to treat it, to astronomical effects. And thankfully, because this operator saw this, they were able, you know, there was no, nothing happened to the water. They were able to reverse that very quickly. But obviously, if you were to poison the water and not get the the word out to 15,000 people, that would have a major impact and really be in many ways an act of war. But then there's also, you know, the situation, and this could really happen for any sector where uh, and often it's the smallest utilities that that are most uh, vulnerable because, you know, these smaller groups, you might see them in, in smaller 
are cities where they just don't have the cybersecurity expertise or the employees on hand to try to secure their systems. And unfortunately, they're often connected as, you know, a trusted third party is kind of the word that's used to some of these larger utilities that might have better cybersecurity. But, you know, if an email comes in from this smaller third party um, and it has, you know, malicious code embedded because someone's targeted the smaller group, then they might be more likely to, you know, open that email and click on things because they trust them. So, you know, if you you hit a small utility in a small city, maybe it impacts that city. But if they have impacts to other larger organizations, it can it can cause a major ripple effect, mm. you know, and, and as we saw with Colonial Pipeline, that was a big company, but it did slow down oil and in fact lead to, to oil not being existent for a few days in, in certain states in the country. And that was one pipeline that was a, a major pipeline, but that was just a, a regular ransomware attack. And that was not even a sophisticated attack. So it really mm. doesn't even take that much effort to, to create these ripple effects. Wow. So what are these vulnerable sectors doing to ward off these cybersecurity threats and and how well equipped are they? And that's the that's the question is that, as I mentioned, you know, smaller organizations, be that small local governments and and small towns across America, be that just small businesses, you know, where they only have in some cases with small businesses, a few employees, you know, and and often these larger companies have whole teams of cybersecurity experts trying to keep them safe. And for that reason, um, you know, small companies and, and small governments are often seen as very easy targets, not necessarily just by nation states, but just by cyber criminals who want to make, make some money, you know, with ransomware attacks. And so mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of times it isn't that sophisticated of attack that really hits these groups. It's okay, they got a phishing email and and, um, or a malicious email where there's a link, someone clicks on it, and all of a sudden their systems are compromised. It sometimes is just as simple as that. And we have a massive shortage, in fact, in this country of cybersecurity workers. There's going to be something over, I think, 2.5 million, you know, I might not be totally certain in that, but in a couple years of just cybersecurity workers that are jobs that are open in this country. And um, it certainly is oh, being wow. felt by these smaller companies that don't have the money and don't have the expertise to have this. So this is an area where we're really trying to staff up. Yes, 100%. That's that's an issue. And of course, you know, these larger companies, you know, I'll give an example of Colonial Pipeline. It's a big company. Even though they did have this cyber attack, they did have a, a large cybersecurity workforce, but that's because they can afford it, you know? And, and when cybersecurity professionals are in such high demand, they can often make really high salaries. And if you're a smaller organization that just can't afford to pay those salaries, then you don't necessarily have access to the same expertise that other groups do. And it's it's really unfortunate. Um, and it is certainly um, an issue. I know that the Biden administration um, has, has taken steps at least to, to draw some attention to. Um, there was a uh, cybersecurity summit at the White House last year, for example, where they had leaders across different industries that touched on cybersecurity there. And I know workforce was, was a major topic of concern because it really um, is an underlying vulnerability for for everybody when you don't have the expertise. So what should we be following on this in the coming weeks? What are you looking out for? Well, unfortunately, I'm looking out for any successful attacks. You know, sometimes it's very obvious, but I'm also going to be watching very closely, you know, how the Biden administration continues to message this because sometimes some of these, you know, cyber attacks aren't successful, but there's a lot of probing behind the scenes that we'll never hear about. So, um, you know, and as much as my story is kind of sounding the alarm on these vulnerabilities, I also want to be careful to say that the U.S. isn't just a completely level one sitting duck in this, you know, completely. I mean, there there is a lot of attention on this issue, um, especially by the, the larger administration right now. Maggie Miller, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. Also in the news, 
President Biden intends to propose a new type of wealth tax as part of his upcoming budget. He wants to require the ultra-wealthy to pay at least 20% in taxes. That plan is set to be released today. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.